Amen. Come on, just encourage one another right there. Shake one another. Poke one another. Just say, come on, man. God's a good God. You know, we're so just battered today with what comes over on the news, you know, fear and doubt. It's just one thing on top of the next. Man, we have got to keep our confession right. We've got to keep our confession going that God is a good God, that he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. You know, and that's just the kind of God he is. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's where you get in trouble is leaning to your understanding or leaning to what you're reading. But it says, lean not to your understanding in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he's going to direct your paths. And so God's going to direct you to whatever happens, whatever you need to do. If you need to go to the left or the right or go straight, whatever God's, he's going to show you, he's going to direct you. That's where you need to have your faith. That's where you need to have your confidence. But you're going to have to get your confession going right. And listen, you got to be careful. Now, going around and discussing all this and playing the game of what if. What if will get you in trouble? Hear what I'm saying? What if will get you in trouble? Because what if is just based in uncertainty. You're saying, well, what if this happens? or what? Well, you don't know what's going to happen. But if you read your word and stay in your word, of what God says and his promises are, you know, then you've got something to base your, your facts on, the truth of the word of God. And so now's the day. Keep your confession going. Be encouraging people. Be people that are declaring the good things of God. Everybody you see, go to the grocery store, you go around anywhere, call your friends, call your neighbors. Like I said before, you can send them a handshake, send them a text, send them a word, call people and just be encouragers and blessers. Now, I'm just really believing that, you know, God takes everything and turns it around for good. That's what the Bible says. And I'm believing even that we've been separated, not been able to to be here in church and to see one another. I'm believing that the day comes when we get back in church that we're going to be stronger than we've ever been. We're going to be people that are just full of faith. Amen. Got some honks in the parking lot on that one. And we're just going to be stronger and stronger and stronger. And the church is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're out there watching the broadcast, maybe this is the first time you got tuned into the Waterhole broadcast. You know, we're going to be continuing the services live from now on. And uh, I just encourage you to share them with your friends, share them with your neighbors. Uh, Just tell them to tune in, get in there and, and watch, because I just believe that this is going to be an answer to helping a lot of people out. And so praise God. Um, well, I hope you got your Bible there with you, because I want to share a word with you. <clears throat> now, I preached a message Sunday, and you can always go back and you can rewatch those messages. But I preached a mes- uh, message, of course, it was Resurrection Sunday, and I preached about the resurrection. But I want to continue on there because... I just feel like there's, there's, there's something that we've missed in the resurrection. And basically what I was trying to say Sunday was, is that most all Christians you talk to will accept the fact that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. That's what the basis of Christianity is about. But they usually stop there. And then we celebrate the resurrection. We're so glad Jesus rose from the dead, but we forget what the scriptures are telling us. Because it says that if he took our sin to the cross, 
Well, then when he arose from the dead, he arose for our justification. In other words, there's two parts to it. Going to the cross and dying for our sins and then rising from the dead to bring it all about so that we could have the life of God on the inside of us. But what happens most of the time is we live in nothing but the circumstances of life. We try to live in just whatever is going on, whatever's happening, whatever's taking place in just our, our life. We're trying to pay the bills. We're trying to go to work. We're trying to make the, 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 the wife or the husband happy. We're trying to take care of the kids. We're going to soccer practice. We're going over here to this and that and the other. And we're, we're running around all the time and just living life in the circumstance that's dealt us. And that's a dangerous place to be because Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In other words, if you don't know the revelation of what Jesus did for us, or you don't know really who you are in Christ, or you don't have a, 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 a revelation of all that Jesus did on the cross in the resurrection, well, what happens is, is because of that lack of knowledge, well, you're going you're gonna to end up getting shipwrecked in life. You're going to be steering your life in the wrong direction. Because you're living just by circumstances. We have to realize what the power of the resurrection is really all about. Now, I don't think there's any Christian that would argue that Jesus took sin to the cross. I, don't, I, I just think that everybody looks at that. And, they, and, and then we live a life that when we do something that's wrong, we repent. We, we believe in forgiveness. And we live there. But the resurrection... Man, I'm telling you, the resurrection, you've got to understand something. If Jesus would not have been resurrected from the dead, then there would have been no proof, no power in who he was as the Son of God. In other words, he'd have just been a man who got crucified on a cross and died and was buried. He was a good man, and he did nice things on earth, and he did big miracles and stuff like that. But he would have just been written off as a prophet. Because he rose from the dead by the Spirit of the living God, breathing and coming into his dead body and raising him up to never die again. Now, see, he wasn't just raised from the dead. He was resurrected. There's a difference. Raised from the dead means you're going to die another day. But resurrection, that means he came up from the grave to never die again. Whoo, man, that's what is going to happen to all of us someday. Bible says we're going to shed off these bodies and put on a new body, and we're going to be in heaven forever. But you got to understand, when Jesus is the first, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says he was the first of many more to be resurrected. But listen, he was the first. And what does that mean for us as Christians? Well, let's look at a few things here. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. you got to go back to the beginning and realize that when God created this earth, he created this earth by faith, by speaking his word out of his mouth, things were created. He spoke the stars into the sky. He spoke the, 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 the division of the water and the earth. He spoke the heavens in there. He spoke and it was. 
Amen? Okay. So that's, that's a different way of thinking. That's not the way we operate here on this earth in the sense that you want something done, now you get out, and you, you, know, you want a hole dug, you go out and you dig it. You want a tree growing in your yard, you go plant it. You go to the nursery, you buy the thing, you bring it back, you dig a hole, you put it in there, you go through the blood, sweat, and tears of getting the thing in the ground. But when God created the, the trees, he spoke and said, trees be and trees were. Because that's the kind of God we serve. We serve a God who operates by faith and a God who operates and speaks things into existence. Now, we walk around in life, and especially now, it's like I just told you a while ago, especially now, we, 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 we become, we get to play in what if. We get to play in you know, fear and doubt and unbelief. We get to speak in doubt and unbelief. We get to talking things out of our mouth. Oh, gosh, what's going to happen to our economy? What's going to happen? Are we ever going to recover from this? Are we ever going to get back to where we were? Oh, my. Well, listen to me. If you're going to try to live in the world system, you're going to be pretty sharp. But as a Christian, we're not living in the world system. We're living in the kingdom of God system. And the kingdom of God system is, is that you speak things into existence. That may sound strange to you. May not have ever heard that, but I'm listening. Listen to me tonight. I'm telling you what God does and what says. When the storms arose on the sea and Jesus in the boat, He didn't get up and say, "Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do?" He just simply looked at the storm and said, "Peace, be still." And the the storm calmed and the waves calmed. He spoke it into existence. When the fig tree wasn't bearing fruit, Jesus just looked at the fig tree and said, "Curse you! I curse you!" And there never be any fruit growing you. And the next day, they came by and the plant had withered up. In other words, Jesus was the God-man on this earth, yet he was showing us a way to operate. He was showing us a way that we should be speaking out God's word out of our mouth. We should be declaring what God says, because the kingdom of heaven has authority over the kingdom of this earth because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. When Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price, took all of our sin, all of our sickness, everything to the cross, and he died for it. He was the sacrificial lamb that went to the cross for you and I. The Old Testament's full of stories and stories and stories talking about the sacrificial lamb. And you were supposed to get a lamb without any spot or blemish. And you were coming and you are going to make that as a sacrifice for your sin offering. The, uh, uh, the high priest would have to take in a lamb and offer a, a sacrifice for the, on the day of atonement for all the sins of Israel. It was a lamb without spot, without blemish. Jesus went to the cross without spot, without blemish. But then there was that moment. He was on the cross that he said, oh God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, God separated himself because of spiritually what, Jesus, what God had put upon Jesus, our sins and our sickness, all upon him on the cross. You say, where are you coming up with that? Well, that's what the Bible says. Isaiah 53, plain to say, that Jesus went to the cross and, and bore our sickness and our sin on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 says, man, it's by the stripes of Jesus that we are healed. So he took it all on the cross. And he took that moment of separation between his heavenly father and himself for us. He did it for us. Not for himself. Look, heaven wasn't trying to win the victory. Hear what I'm saying. Heaven already was in heaven was already heaven. God's already God. The devil had already been cast out of heaven. God wasn't trying to win a victory 
for heaven. He's trying to win a victory for you and I. Whoo, man, come on. He is trying to win a victory for you and I. It was our sins and our sicknesses that went to the cross with Jesus, not his. If Jesus would have been on the cross and been sick, he wouldn't have been a lamb without spot or blemish. He'd have been a sick lamb. And he couldn't bring a sick lamb to be a sacrifice. Hear what I'm saying? Jesus didn't die on the cross and had cancer. He didn't have leukemia. He didn't have diabetes. He didn't have lupus. He didn't have diseases upon him. He took our diseases on him. He was a lamb without spot or blemish. He wasn't a murderer. He wasn't an adulterer. Jesus didn't have sin. He was sinless. That's why he was the perfect sacrifice. He took ours. So it was our sins that put him on the cross, but it was also us in Christ that got to benefit in the resurrection. Because it says now we are in Christ. Get to that in a minute, but I want to make this point a little bit more. Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verse 21. Now, this is, I'm not going to read. You can go and read all of the chapter 16. It's talking about all the day of atonement and making sins and sacrifices and all that stuff. But I just want to bring out one point here about the scapegoat. You know, we use that, oh, so-and-so, he's the scapegoat. In other words, he's the guy that everybody said did it when he didn't do it, right? That's what a scapegoat is. He got the blame on him, and it got put on him. Well, that comes from the Bible. In Leviticus 16, 21, uh, God spoke to Aaron, and he said, you shall lay both your hands on the head of a live goat. Confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away to the wilderness by the hand of a, a suitable man. And the goat shall bear on itself all the iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Okay? The scapegoat. Now, I got I to gotta kind of get you to thinking here and be a little humorous here. Okay? You know, goats are not the smartest critters on the face of the earth. All right? So I don't think that when they got a goat by the horns and they had him standing before the high priest, I don't think the goat knew what was going on. Are you with me? He didn't know what was truly taking place. He was just a goat. He just standing there. The high priest lays his hands on him and he confesses the sins of Israel onto the goat. Now, physically, I don't think anything happened to the goat. Like, he didn't start withering up and, you know, I mean, goats are kind of messed up anyway, but I'm talking about he didn't just like, oh, God, the sins are all on me. He didn't know what was going to the goat. And they confessed it over. And they, you know, I don't know how this went. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about this today, and I was like, well, you know, they're confessing the sins of Israel. Well, did they have a whole list? You know, we speak adultery over the goat. We speak, you know, harlotry over the goat. We speak cussing and we take blasphemy. You know, I, mean, I don't know if they went through a whole list of what they said over him or if they just did one big goat. You now have on you the sins of Israel. But then they take this goat and, you know, goats are not very cooperative, but they take him out. Probably had to drag the, the thing plumb to the wilderness, you know because he probably wasn't cooperating at all of being led by a rope or something. So they take this goat by the horns, they drag him all the way out into the wilderness, and then they turn him loose. Well, you know, the goat 
probably just said, well, man, you know, I'm out here. As long as there was grazing out there, I mean, the goat was probably fine. The goat probably just walked around his life until a you know, coyote ate him or something. I don't know. But what I'm pr- trying to say is the goat didn't feel the effects of the sins of the nation of Israel. He's just a goat. What was done was done spiritually. You hearing what I'm saying? What was done was done spiritually. Spiritually, they laid their hands on him and confessed it over the goat. They're following in obedience to what God told them to. But it was a spiritual matter. It was a spiritual matter. So when Jesus went to the cross for you and I, it was a spiritual matter. Oh, no, they whipped him. They beat him. They nailed him to a cross. They did all those things to him. But what was taking place was this enormous thing taking place in the spirit. Think about this. When we sin, we do something that um, is offensive. That's a spiritual matter. Right? It's a spiritual matter. Now, there may be a physical matter involved in it. But it's a spiritual thing. And when you go to heaven and repent, or go, to, go, go pray and repent, when you pray and repent, you, it's still a spiritual matter. So what I want you to get in your understanding right now is it is a spiritual matter. When Jesus arose from the grave, the Bible says, then you became, all of you who were in Christ, who were saved, who were born again, who had the Spirit of God lived on the inside of you, you became seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How did that happen? Right now in heaven, there's not a throne with one big giant seat that everybody, there's millions of Christians sitting there on the right hand of the throne of God. No, it's in Christ. It's in Christ that you and I are sitting there tonight in heaven. Let me give you a few, let me give you a few things here. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. It says, but God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. What Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says. Okay, he says, you were dead, like on the cross with Jesus. Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now, I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God. Here he's saying, I went to the cross and I was crucified with Christ. You were dead in your trespasses. You were caught in this spiritual thing called sin and separated you from your heavenly Father. Then Jesus was resurrected and now you are alive in him and seated in heavenly places in Christ. Now, this is not metaphorically. This is not... This is not some kind of a, 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 a story or, and definitely not a physical thing because you're not sitting in heaven right now. You're sitting watching me on the couch, okay? That's a spiritual thing. It's a positional thing and a spiritual thing. You spiritually are sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. How? In Christ. You're in what Jesus did. He was resurrected from the dead He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Revelations 1 says he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He has the keys. He won. He won the victory. So that means he not just won the victory for you, but you're in 
Jesus spiritually, so then therefore you've got the victory. Now, I don't know. I hope I'm not just blowing your mind. I don't get to see your faces. All I get to see is this camera looking at me over here, and I don't get to see your faces. But I'm just, I, I, I don't turn me off and just keep digging on this because what I'm trying to say to you is we always look at the cross, but we forget about the resurrection. We always look at the cross. We only celebrate the resurrection once a year, but the resurrection is where you're living right now. That's the power of God on the inside of you that gave you that born-again experience that puts you in a place spiritually and positionally in Jesus that brings victory for you, that allows you to walk on the face of this earth as Jesus walked on the face of this earth. Oh, I know. I said it. Just like Jesus walked on the face of the earth. All I'm doing is saying what the scripture says. John 14 says you're going to do greater works than Jesus did on this earth. So let me just give you a few facts here. What the resurrection did for you. According to Colossians 1.13, one of my favorite scriptures, he delivered you from the power of darkness and conveyed you unto the kingdom of his son. Now, when I got born again, I got born again in a barn out on the middle of a ranch. And when the moment I, I said, Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. And I felt the spirit of God hit me. I knew God changed me. I knew I was saved. I didn't get physically translated anywhere. Are you following me? I was still, when I quit praying, I was still standing in the barn in the same place. But I knew that something that on the inside of me changed. I knew that Jesus came to live inside of me. I knew that my sins were forgiven. I knew, I knew it without even knowing what the word says. I knew it down on the inside of me. Okay, what happened? Well, I had a new position spiritually because I got translated spiritually from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. Go look through the scriptures. This is another message, but just go look through the scriptures and see how many times throughout the epistles, and even in the Gospels, that it's referred to that you were either light or darkness. It never says, you're, well, you're in the gray area. You're either in light or you're in darkness. There's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. That's all there is. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of this world, that's all there is. There's no other one. There's no gray area. You're not hung in this middle of the road. No, it's either you're saved or you're not. You either have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you or you not. And if you do have the spirit of the living God on you, then spiritually speaking, you're sitting or have a position at the right hand of the throne of God and the devil has no power over you because spiritually it's all been taken away from him because Jesus has the keys. He has the keys. The devil can't hold you bound in sickness and sin. Jesus broke that took authority over it. That's why Ephesians 1 tells us that he has, he is the, 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 the king. He is the one that's been given all authority and power because he defeated the devil. That's what the resurrection tells you. He defeated the devil. Here, let me give you another one. Romans 4, 23 20, and 20 through 25. It says, now it's written for his sake alone, or written not it was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, 
who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. In other words, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've, you've gotten into the kingdom of God, then you have been justified. But what the devil wants to tell us is that we're flipping back and forth. Hear me. You're either saved or you're not. You're in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of darkness. If you're in the kingdom of God, then you are justified. Well, if you're justified, it's a spiritual thing. You've been justified, so therefore what the devil has to try to put upon you on this earth, he can't do because he has no rights and no privileges because you're a child of God. And you're already in the one that defeated death, hell, and the grave. Amen? Give me a honk outside. Come on. I love it. See, what happens is I get to preaching so hard here, and I'm just looking at the camera, and then all of a sudden I forget about that. I got somebody out there in the audience, so they're just you know, out past the wall, and I got to see you by the Spirit. But praise God, y'all are out there. Giving me some honks and let me know somebody else is right there listening. Here's another one. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Jesus didn't become a curse for him. He wasn't trying to win anything for heaven's sake. He was winning it for our sake. Whoo, listen to me. He was winning it for our sake, for you and me. He became a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You see, all of a sudden things have changed. Now, Jesus, he, he was the spotless lamb without sin, without sickness. He went to the cross carrying and bearing our sins and our sickness. So that through the resurrection, we got justified and we got set free. It doesn't have any power over us anymore. Amen. Paul said, listen, let me throw this out there. The apostle Paul said that the sin that Jesus took to the cross with us, we don't, we don't have it anymore, right? Well, the sickness Jesus took to the cross, we don't have it anymore. Why? Why? Because it's a spiritual matter taken care of and dealt with by Jesus on the cross and justified through the resurrection. Here's another one, Romans chapter 2, verse 11. It says, there is no partiality with God. In other words, God favors everyone equally. God doesn't love me more than he loves you. He doesn't love you know, the person who's done <clears throat> big, great things on this earth more than he loves the person who hasn't done anything much on earth. God has no, is no, there's no favorites. We're all favorites in God's eyes, right? Psalms, I believe it's Psalms 107 or 117 says that we are the apple of his eye. We're the apples of, of, his, of his eye. We're the, we're the one that he looks at and, and, and loves, okay? How is that so? You see, the devil wants to tell you that you're just a dirty, rotten sinner, that even though you may be saved, even though you may be going to heaven, you're just a sinner. You're just a sinner, and there's just no way out. But wait a minute. If you're God's favorite, that means God's looking at you in Christ. He's not looking at you in your flesh. He's looking at you in Christ. Folks, we've got to stay in Christ. If you get outside of Christ and start trying to do things on your own, and in your own spirituality and in your own works, man, you're in trouble. But if you stay in Jesus, who 
man, then I'm telling you what, you're standing justified by the power of the resurrection. Here's another one. First John chapter five, verse 12. It says, he who has a son, he who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son does not have life. In other words, there it goes again. You're either in the kingdom of darkness, you're in the kingdom of light. If you're in the kingdom of God, you have life. 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 Come on, man. Life. You can't have death on you because death, hell in the grave has been defeated by Jesus. He has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I mean, the kingdom of hell. And he has the keys also to the kingdom of heaven. He's carrying all the keys. And no place can lock him out. So if you're in Christ, life, the, the spirit of life is on the inside of you. If you're fighting sickness or you're fighting depression or you're fighting discouragement or you're just fighting, you know, the, 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 the fears of things going on, whatever you may be fighting in life, listen to me. You got to call on the life of God that's on the inside of you in Christ. He didn't leave you. He's not sitting in heaven. You're sitting in heaven with him, spiritually speaking. How could he never leave us nor forsake us? Because we're with him. Yeah, we live down here on this earth. Yes, there's a separation from my earthly body. But Jesus came to this earth as a man. He took on the bodily form. That's why it says that he's been touched with everything that we could ever be touched with. Every infirmity, everything, every sadness, everything. Jesus has already been touched with it because he lived on this earth as a human as we did. Or we do. So he's already been touched with it. So yeah, we don't have, we're not right down. We don't have the, you know, get to see it. It's, but, but it's by faith. By faith, you can see it. By faith, you can go into what the Word says. By faith, you can be feasting on the Word. By faith, you can be gaining knowledge. By faith, you can be stirring yourself and getting out of the mental state and getting over into a spiritual way of thinking of knowing what the Word says. When this world tells you you're going down, but you stop and say, no, I'm going up, well, then you're operating by the Spirit. That's what you're doing. You're operating by the Spirit because you're taking on the promise of God, and now you're walking it as the Son of God. Now, the last one here, 1 John 4.4, 4. another great scripture, one of my favorites. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? You know, they and them. We always say, who's, you know, oh, somebody's out there, somebody's doing that. And they say, who is it? And you say, I don't know, it's they or them, right? Well, it says, we've overcome them because he who is in you, is greater than he that's in this world. Well, what does that mean? We walk in that a lot of times, and we quote that scripture, and we throw it out there, but what does that really truly mean? It means that because you were in Christ, seated at the right hand of the throne of God with him through the resurrection, been justified, sanctified, set apart, that now what's in this world system, it doesn't have any rights are privileges to be touching you. You're a child of God, born again. You're a child of God, able to walk in the things of God, able to speak the things of God, able to take by faith and speak out of your life what you want to see happen. If you want to see your, your family prospering, well, then speak that over your family's life. Take your position at the right hand of the throne of God and be using it. 
Be using what Jesus died for and was resurrected for so that you can walk by faith in the things of God. If you want to, oh yeah, come on. If you want to prosper, you want to, you want to, you're, you're, you know, whatever's going on, you want to, you got sickness in your body, begin to speak and say, no, 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 you have no rights. You have no privilege over me. I have been translated out of the kingdom of sickness and disease, and I'm over here in the kingdom of life. Begin to talk to your body. Tell your body to shut up and line up. Begin to talk to your finances and tell them to line up in Jesus' name. That everything you put your hand to is going to prosper. That you're going to see victory. You're going to see success. Begin to speak to all those around you. Tell, begin to speak over your neighbors and, de- and, and declare they're going to be saved. They're going to know Jesus. Your family members. Speak life because it's in you. Life is in you. Amen? I'm telling you, life is in you because of the resurrection. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen? Amen. Love those honks. So listen to me. Listen to these messages. Get it down in your heart. I don't know how much how, how much longer you know all this is going to go on and, and, and church is going to be like this, but we're going to be here. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep declaring the word. We're going to keep coming into your homes and encouraging you through all these broadcasts. And so I just want you to know tonight, I want to pray over you. I want to bless you right now. I want to speak good things over to you. Um, just know that we're here and we're not going anywhere. But let me pray over you. Father, right now, I just declare in Jesus' name over each and every person out there listening and watching to the broadcast right now. I just declare, Lord, that your hand is upon each of us. That, Lord, that what you bought for us on the cross and through the resurrection, Lord, brings victory into our life. And the life of God is on the inside of us. I speak over everyone right now that the eyes of understanding would be enlightened and we would know the hope of the calling. We'd know you, Jesus. And that, Lord, that we would understand the power of your resurrection and what it means for us, what it means for us to be seated at the right hand of God, what it means for us to overcome, what it means for us to be sons of God, what it means for us to be walking in victory. So, Lord, bless them tonight. Just put your hand upon them in your presence. And bless them exceedingly and abundantly, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, God bless you. And we'll catch you on the next broadcast.